Parshas Matthias. We have the story of the Jewish war against Midian. Hamoshe chooses the soldiers, sends them to fight, and then they come back victorious, having destroyed the country of Midian, having amassed spoils and captives, and bringing them back to the Jewish camp. But now we see a very surprising posuk. The posuk says that when the soldiers return, Vayetsu Moshe ve'Lazar Akoyen v'Chol Nesiyeh Ha'Eden Ikrasam. Moshe, the leader, Elazar the Kohen Gadol, and all the Nesiyim of Klai Yisrael go out to meet the soldiers. On Mechutz Lamachane, they go out of the camp to meet the returning soldiers. This is a very rare occurrence. We don't often find Moshe leading the a delegation of the Jewish leadership out of the camp. In fact, the only other time we find that is when Yisrael comes. When Yisrael, as Moshe's father-in-law, comes to visit him in the Midbar, so as a sign of respect for Yisrael, Moshe goes out to meet him, flanked by Aaron, and there also the Nassim. Why was it necessary here for Moshe, the leader, to take the Kohen Gadol and all the Jewish leaders to greet the returning soldiers. So Rashi quotes the Sifri. It says an unbelievable thing. It says the Sifri, Lifishero es nare Yisrael, yoitzim lachtat min They saw the kids going out to try and steal from the spoils. The soldiers were coming back heavily laden with the booty of Midian. And some of the kids of the camp wanted to steal from the spoils and therefore it was necessary for Moshe, the Kohen Gadol and all the Jewish leaders to go out to prevent pickpockets. If we think about it for a moment, firstly we're speaking about soldiers. They were the ones who destroyed Minyan and captured all these spoils. They wouldn't be able to fend off a few children. And even if for some reason they wouldn't be able to, what Moshe needs to do is to appoint a police force and send them to guard the spoils. Why is it something of the importance which necessitates Moshe Rabbeinu himself at the head of the delegation of the entire leadership of the Jewish people going out to head off an attack, so to speak, of kids on the spoils? The Habdil. If let's say there were visitors coming to Eretz Yisrael, and we heard that you know, in the airport now with the corona tests, at the same time there were a group of pickpockets working and stealing from people. So what should we do about it? So let's send the delegation headed by Rechaim Kanievsky and all the older Rosh Hashivas of the Dar to go to the airport to stop people pickpocketing. It like, doesn't make sense. They're easier and different ways of dealing with the issue. What's going on? And what are Chazal trying to tell us? So to answer this, let's look first at a well-known explanation Chazal give towards the end of the parasha. Towards the end of the parasha, we have the story of the children of God and Reuven, who had amassed large flocks of livestock. Even though all of the Jewish people were wealthy, but it seems that even in a wealthy society, 
Negon of Nerubin stood out. Umik Nerav Hain of Negon of Nerubin. They had extra large flocks of sheep. And they saw the Ever Ayarden. And they saw it was pasture land. Expansive areas of green grass, which was just what they wanted for their sheep. And they decided that they want to take up possession of Ever Ayarden, not to travel to Israel. They make the request to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu obviously is afraid that this is going to cause a reaction in the Jewish people that they'll be too afraid to cross the Yadin and attack the kings living in Canaan. And the Bnei Godin and want to come back and reassure Moshe that that's not the case. In fact, they're offering not just to go and fight with the Jewish people, but to be the vanguard. To be the frontline troops. They're going to lead the attack against the kings of Canaan. And all they want in return for that is that instead of getting inheritance with the rest of the Jewish people in Eretz Israel, they should instead of that be given property on the other side of the Jordan River. So they come back to Moshe to make the offer. And Moshe, instead of just accepting the offer, Moshe rewords it. Let's look closely at the offer that God made and how Moshe didn't reject the offer, but he changed it. It might be a subtle point, but nevertheless, they're two extremely important points. So let's have a look. The God and the Rubin come to Moshe by Yikshoilov, they approached him by Yomu, they said, Gedros Tsoin, Nivna Nimiknenu Poi, let us make stables for our sheep over here and cities for our children and then we will go ahead as the front line soldiers in front of the Jewish people until we bring them to their place and Moshe says to them if you do this if you going to present yourselves as soldiers in front of Hashem for battle. And if all the soldiers will go ahead of the troops across the Jordan in front of Hashem, and the land will be conquered by Hashem, then you'll get the Eretz of the other side of the Jordan as your inheritance. And therefore, build cities for your children and stables for your sheep. Repeat what you said. And now, God made their offer. And Moshe responds to them. Now again, the Torah comes back and says, God reaffirmation of what they said. And they say back to Moshe, Your servants will do what my master commands. Our children, our wives, and all our animals will be in the cities of Gilad. And your servants will go in front of the battle, in front of Hashem to the battle. Why all this repetition? The Torah doesn't normally waste words on just repeating the same thing again and again. 
And we're meant to understand that if we look closely, we see that there was a very big difference between the original Akhaf Negod and the Reven, how Moshe corrected them, and how they accepted Moshe's corrections. Two points. The first one. The first one. The God and the Reuben's offer was, we'll go in front of Bnei Yisrael to battle, until we bring them to their place. And Moshe says, Rabbi, you're making a big mistake. What you expect them to do is, present yourselves in battle in front of Hashem. And then, the land will be conquered by Hashem. You're meant to be the frontline soldiers, but don't come along and say, you're going to bring the victory. You're going to make sure Klai Yisrael inherit the land. No. Your job is to be soldiers in front of Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu conquer the land. And when the God of the Reuben accept that, they repeat to Moshe, Your servants will go as a vanguard in front of Hashem. What is the difference here? It wasn't just a slip of the tongue. Really, what we see here, beneath the surface, is a certain failure which Moshe was trying to prevent. That's what I like to call the madness of money. What happens when people are wealthy? They got them, they ruin. We're exceptionally wealthy, even by the standards of the Jewish people. What happens when people are wealthy? So look at the Pasuk in Yeshaya, the second part in Yeshaya, where Yeshaya is describing a period of great wealth. And it says, Vatarbe Zav Kasef, Vain Ketzelo Yitzrosov. There will be increased gold and silver. And there is a show there will be no end, no limit to their wealth. They'll increase horses. There'll be no end to their chariots. Kaish will be wealthy to a superlative degree. Kaish will have every accessory they need. And the Pasuk says, will, People will worship the work of their hands. The person becomes small and the man becomes minimized. This is the nature of money. When people have too much money, so like the Pesach says, they worship the work of their hands. And therefore, something which can be brought about by human endeavor becomes something which is valued. A person sees his financial success as being something he brought about, and therefore what people can bring about is valuable. But when it comes to Mitzad Hashem, what doesn't come to the human agency, somehow gets minimized in the process. And therefore, yes, it could be what a person can achieve and make and profit from is valued in a society, and when there's a society which has that much abundance, an excess of gold, of silver, of chariots, of horses, then the value of the person becomes less. The shuffle conversation. The value of the person becomes less. That's the first thing we see. They got in the Reuben as being successful, maybe inadvertently, but therefore they're going to attribute the military success to themselves. We're going to bring Kaisal to their place. 
And Moshe is quick to correct them. No. You're going to present yourselves in front of Hashem to battle. Hashem will conquer Israel. That's the first point. But if you look closely, there's a second difference also. There's a second difference also between what the offer of the God of Nehruvan and how Moshe corrects them. The God of Nehruvan says, We will make stables for our sheep and cities for our children. And Moshe says to them here also, You will have your priorities the wrong way around. Why do your sheep come before your children? And Moshe changes it. And Moshe says to them, First build the cities for your children, and afterwards make the stables for your sheep. Here also, Rabbi said, when people worship the human achievements, so the value of the person becomes less. The value of the person becomes less. The God of the Rebbe fell into the mistake of giving more importance to their sheep than they did to their children. And the God of the Rebbe understood Moshe's Musa to them, and therefore they changed it. They repeat what they said. And they say, Avadeh your servants will do what my master commands. What does my master command? Our children, our wives, and then our livestock and our animals will remain good. They put the priority where it belongs. There's an unbelievable Midrash. The Midrash is talking about the Tower of Babel. And the Midrash says that it's a tremendously high tower. And it happened when materials were being passed up to the top to continue building that a load of bricks would fall and crash at the bottom. It says, they would certainly miss Abel about the lost bricks. But if a worker would fall off and die, no one would care. Now, in order to build a structure, you need bricks, but you also need workmen. And therefore, even if the motivation was selfish, that something interfering with the work, why should the loss of a stack of bricks be more significant to them than the loss of a person, at least it should be equal. And we see it's not like that. We see it's not like that. When a person's in the mindset of the Maisei Yodov Yishtachavu, that he's going to worship his handiwork, so that the value of the person gets minimized. And if that's the case, the bricks which was they made, the bricks which they found the technology of how to turn clay into brick, that was something valuable. And the loss of the brick was considered something of a misfortune. But a person who is not the handiwork of a, of a man, so that gets minimized, that gets forgotten about. And that's the insight here at the beginning of the parasha also. The problem with the Nairi Yisrael, the problem with the children who went out to try and steal from the spoils, wasn't that Moshe was concerned about the spoils. The soldiers could take care of the spoils themselves. They were soldiers, they could protect themselves. The problem was something else. What's the message? When an army goes out to battle, and the army comes back successful, having survived the danger, having all lived through the war, and they bring back spoils, what's the point that people are interested in? The fact that all their soldiers return alive, or the fact that they're spoils? What's the priority? And if Moshe saw that the mistake here was that people were going out because they were spoils, 
because there was money to be made, Moshe understood that there's a mistake in the mindset, and that needs to be corrected. Not to protect the spoils, but to give the importance where it's due. Instead of going out to greet the spoils, we're going out to greet the soldiers. And therefore, what was the way Moshe rectified that? He brought the Lazarus coin and the entire gamut of the Jewish leadership. Why? To greet the soldiers who were coming back. Give chashivas to human beings. To show the importance that we recognize that the soldiers who were sent came back alive, that's the victory of the battle. The money, that's a secondary thing. That's not important. And that's why Moshe, in a very unusual sort of case, made the effort to leave the Jewish camp together with all the leaders in order to honor the soldiers. Just like he did for Yisrael, we were to honor Yisrael. Same thing here. Moshe was teaching a lesson. Moshe was teaching a lesson. We need to honor people and not money. And you see an amazing thing. Moshe's lesson wasn't not understood, wasn't missed. Moshe's lesson was learned and absorbed by the Jewish people. Look at an amazing thing the Pazuk says. It says, towards the end of the story of the soldiers went to Midian, the Pazuk says like this, The generals, the leaders, the captains of the thousands and of the hundreds, they came approached Moshe. And what do they say to him? We counted the soldiers who were given to us to go to battle with, but not a single soldier got lost. We all returned healthy, we all returned alive, and therefore, we want to bring an offering to Hashem. Any man who has in his possession a gold jewelry, bracelets, or any other kind of gold adornment, we want to give it as a carbon to Hashem. This is exactly the message that they learned from Moshe. The generals would have known that nobody died in battle. The generals didn't bring back any bodies for burial, Hashem. But for the generals, learn from Moshe coming out to greet them with something else. And that is, that's the point we have to be machshiv about a battle. A battle where all the soldiers returned alive, that's the victory of the battle. Not the money that we amassed at the time. And therefore the generals want to emulate Moshe. And they say, we see that the victory was that we all returned safely. We want to give the money to Hashem. We want to be back with the money to Hashem. And therefore, all the gold, all the, all the jewelry, all the ornaments which they had taken from Midian, they're giving it to Hashem. And was put in as a, brought into Ayal Moed as a remembrance for B'nai Yisrael. This was maybe the Nisayan that Moshe taught B'nai God of Meirubin. This was also the lesson that Moshe wanted to teach Klai Yisrael regarding the soldiers returning from Midian. Maybe we can see an inference to this also in the midst of Tzedakah. It's not just a question that a person is mukhiyyad to give to the poor. There's a specific nisayin in Tzedakah. For the person who has the wealth, who has the challenge of the ma'asi yada vishtachu, 
So if that's the case, like the Novi says, Vishakh Gavasadam. The value of another person becomes minimized. And if that's the case, the Torah remedies this. And that is the way to restore importance to another person. Just like the generals of the campaign against Midian. If that, when a person is in need and you see someone else in need, so you use your money to help another person. Restore the chashivas to where it belongs. What's more important? The amount of money that I have amassed or the person who doesn't have a need? It's not just a question of helping him. It's the, it's the point that by giving to someone, then a person is putting the priority on the human being and not on the money. And that was Moshe Rabbeinu's lesson. That was, that was Moshe Rabbeinu's lesson. What we makshiv is people. We not makshiv the money.